Hello, welcome to Braveful, a podcast with and for achieving women. I'm your host, Amy Zeigert. I'm so excited to share with you stories of women who are brave and gutsy. This show is a weekly view into the hearts and minds of what has enabled these fabulous ladies to take a leap and go forward with bold ideas. So join me in an opportunity to listen, learn, and lean in, Braveful style. Hello, hello, Braveful women. I hope you all are doing great and enjoying this moment wherever you are. So today I have a really special guest, Sherry Cray. Sherry Cray is the co-founder of Cray's Market and Garden in Bellevue, Idaho, um, not far from Sun Valley. And this is a story of a woman and her husband achieving more based out of need. Um, They had a need in their life for eating better, um, eating organically, and they took that need and not only did they give to themselves, but they created a 360-degree community where they created an ecosystem that allowed them to not only give to themselves, but to give to others um, by creating sustainable marketplace for food. And, you know, this started before the pandemic, but the pandemic allowed them to to grow and to be there for their community. So I'm really excited to share with you Sherry's journey and how she created this wonderful company that is sustaining them, sustaining their community and sustaining our environment. So take a listen and realize that you too can achieve anything. Look around you and see the need inside of your community and be the giver to solve the problem. It's just an amazing grassroots story. So with that said, please join me. Thank you. Have a great day. I hope the sun is shining wherever you are, and I really appreciate you being here. Well, and so Sherry started Cray's Market Garden, and really you started it based upon a personal need, correct? Correct. Yeah, we started just growing produce for ourselves um, due to Larry's health issues. We decided to go plant-based, and so we have the property. We had the room to put up greenhouses, and we, we did it. And then we talked to a company that we were buying greenhouse products from, and they said, what zip code do you live in? And Larry told them, and he said, you have a, like $83 million demand for food in your valley, and it's only being met by $23 million locally. And so it's like, why don't we turn it into a business? Then we can have it as a tax write-off as well. And we were growing more than what we needed, which was um, something that right after we got started, it's like, oh, there's a lot of food here. And I just started it out on Facebook and just threw it out there and said, hey, we have extra kale this week. Does anybody want any? And it just took off from there. And we quickly realized that we would not be able to grow enough for the demand ourselves. You know, we needed to find other people that wanted to be a part of what we were doing. And and it started on Facebook. And then I started just an email group um, for people could sign up to get my email on a weekly basis as to what was available. And, you know, we would start off, we, Larry and I still joke that we, we were so happy to hit $100 for the first time in sales, you know, because we were delivering rhubarb. Rhubarb was our first product that went out the door um, because it's a spring crop. And, you know, you sell a package of rhubarb for $2. It takes a lot of $2 packages just to get to $100. Wow. Okay. So, so doing this, have you also then start, I mean, so how many people are, are you delivering to currently? So our current customer base is over 2,000 people that get our list. We have an online store that now opens up on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock and we close at Sunday night at 7. And so there's 2,000 people plus that can do that. You know, our valley is a lot of second homeowners. So people are only here for certain times of the year, you know, and they let me know, oh, we're going to be gone for the winter. We'll see you in the spring. And so, but right now, we're averaging about 175 to 200 orders a week that we get and that we deliver to their homes is how we do it. And that can fluctuate. Before um, the pandemic, we were pretty consistently at 100 orders um, a week. And the pandemic hit um, us 
this valley extremely hard in March. They they shut us down. They shut the valley down March 16th. The ski area closed. Our local officials shut all of the resident, all of the businesses down, unless you were an essential worker. And that was scary for everyone. And to have this service of delivery of food and other products to your door, I opened my store up that next Saturday morning at eight o'clock and I had to close it at noon because I had 300 orders and I didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, I just, I truly did not know how we were going to handle that much volume of product. And I want to back up pre-pandemic. We, once we started and realized we needed to have more, more products available, we started, um, there was a gal that came to pick up. It was so funny. It was a funny story. She came to pick up some, we always get extra large zucchinis. Uh, everybody gets extra large zucchinis that grow zucchini. And she came to pick them up for her um, animals to eat. And she says, oh, we're, we live in Fairfield and we grow onions and garlic. And she said, can I go out through the greenhouses? And so we took her on a tour through the greenhouses. And she, and Larry said, hey, if you ever need somebody to uh, market your onions and garlic, we would be happy to sell it through our program. And that's, and that's how it started. Um, she was our first one that we ventured out and said, hey, we could sell your product. And she says, oh, we do a pretty good job with it. Um, I think we'll handle it. But she got home, she talked to her husband and she called me. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and so she was the first one. And then we just started finding other little companies, mom and pops that had excess produce. You know, I would watch on Facebook and on, on social media. And a and g Produce was another one that they're just a husband and wife that grow at their place in Dietrich and they have a house in Haley and they go back and forth and they were marketing to their friends. And so we started selling their product for them too. And it just snowballed. We have over, I think we have like 85 vendors now, which are everything from growers, mom and pop growers to, you know, people that do it for their livelihood. That's full-time, their full-time job. Um, we have a a gal, um, Woodward Botanicals, and she does um, salves and lotions and um, bite and sting relief for bug bites. And, you know, she, she's just got her whole array of goods that she produces and we sell for them. There's a lady up in Ketchum that invented these lit pet collars, lighted pet collars for when you go out at night for walks. Um, we have meat, cheese, breads, all kinds of baked goods. And then we also have um, staples like spices and things and all of that. So it's a huge array of items. And we, we feel like we can pretty much keep somebody from going to the grocery store. We have everything from coffee, you know, every, everything you would need. We have shampoo. Then that's how I've kind of grown it is what do we need? What do I go to the grocery store for? And so we not only do local products, we get produce from Charlie's Produce out of Boise, and they get their produce all over the Pacific Northwest. So things like bananas and avocados, things that we can't grow in Idaho. It took me a long time to decide to do that because I am so passionate about local food. But we had to increase the volume. We had to get people to be buying more every week. And, and so we added in Charlie's Produce. I also added in a company that's based out of Oregon where I grew up and that's Azure Standard. And they do all organic and earth-friendly goods and everything from, I right now I get from them, you know, like jars of capers or jar, cans of olives and, and just artichoke, marinated artichoke hearts. Those are the two top seller or the three top sellers out of Azure. Olives, Azure, um, Azure capers and Azure artichoke hearts. And it's like, who would have thought by adding capers and artichoke hearts, but that's about the volume that we need. You know, they deliver once a month into the Valley. And so we're a drop point for them and other, even my customers can get on and order direct from Azure. It's delivered here and then we de deliver it to our customers. So you've created your own ecosystem of where you are not only farm to door, as you say, but you are really allowing, you know, 85 vendors to come in and sell their product, whereas they may not be selling it. Well, and that's a, get back to the pandemic when that hit, you know, they closed down the farmer's markets. There were no farmer's markets. And a lot of my vendors rely on the farmer's markets for their for their sales. And so not only did, and, and even the one, the story I love best is there's a gal in Bellevue that's got a little um, deli, Oak Street Foods. And, you know, she had to close her, her restaurant down because all the restaurants got closed down. And so we have several restaurants. We have CKs, we have Oak Street Foods. They all would not have made it through it without having the avenue to sell through our program. And so we kept them in business. And 
that's wonderful, but it is also a lot of pressure. You know, everybody always says, do you take a week off? It's like, no, all of these people depend on us for our livelihood, uh, for their livelihood. You know, if I take a week off, that means Vicki at Oak Street is not getting her income for the week. I don't feel like that's something I can do. <laughs> and, you know, I feel responsible for that. So but not only were we doing it for the customers, we were also doing it for our vendors as well. And, you know, I have a water wheel gardens out of Emmett. They come over every week and they have done so much business through us that they would not have otherwise done. And, you know, they have lots of other avenues for their food, but they are so appreciative. And, and all of my vendors are appreciative. They are all, you know, one lady that's a baker, she got to quit her job and and do baking full-time which is what she wanted to do and so there's all of those stories and yeah it's a community I feel like it's a very um it's a community that we've grown here and our customers get to know who our vendors are you know they get to have their favorites that they want to order from and they're you know it's always a race at eight o'clock on Saturday morning as, as who can get craze eggs or who can get um you know Vicky's tuna tuna salad I mean it's she sells out of her tuna salad like that every week and so it it's fun and we we try to embrace that we had we usually twice a year we do an open house down here um at the farm and in the spring we call it an open house in the fall we call it our fall festival and and because of the pandemic I canceled our spring one and it was sad because I, it's always a big money maker for our vendors because our vendors get to come and set up at like a farmer's market. So they get to, and they get to meet the customers that way. And so I felt like that missed out. And as fall was approaching, I just, it just kept eating at me. It's like, even though we're not supposed to have large groups, you know, we're going to be outside. It's going to be managed that it's where we, we have the space, we can space it out. And the community and the vendors did so well and they loved it so much. You know, we do horse-drawn wagon rides. We do, there's a little, uh, one of our vendors brings a little um, lawnmower that's got, he painted the cars behind it as strawberries and apples. And he takes kids around on this little train ride and, and people just needed it because everybody had been locked up for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was an absolutely fabulous event. Well, and and you mentioned Gray's Eggs, you know, just having been to to your place in in October and and people, I mean, you have, you know, what, 60, 70 chickens. Yeah. Yeah. So how many eggs do you get a day? Well, I guess it just depends on the time of the year, but I can get anywhere for like three dozen a day, you know, and a lot of my chickens are old because I get a lot of, we're also a rescue place. (laughs) And so we get a lot of um, people that have old hens that they don't know what to do with. And so they get to bring them down here. And I, right now I'm overrun with roosters because everyone gets chickens, baby chicks in the springtime. And then they grow up and they, and they live in town and you can't have a rooster in town. So once the roosters get mature enough and they are roosters and they're making their noise, they can't have them in town. So right now I've got like seven roosters and and they all get along, which is great. A lot of the times roosters will fight with each other, but I have enough girls that they're all happy that they're <laughs> little pods of girls. So well, and then you also do, I mean, you have a, a guy there that does um bees. So you have honey. Yeah. You have opened up your place to embrace everyone. And and, and you know, how did you figure out this whole supply chain piece of it? I was very fortunate in the early stages. We started in 2015, and I think it was probably 2016 or early 17 that we hired a gal, Amy, and uh, she she is so passionate about local food, and she has worked with people that want to support local food. She's just so passionate. And so we hired her. She knew all the vendors. She she knew everybody that was growing locally. And she was the one that helped us take the next step. And we got a, we, she built the website for us. She built the online store. You know, she went out and found the company that was just, it was a startup company too. They were brand new. They, they were less than a year old when we started with them. And, and so she was, she was the pivotal point with all of that stuff. You know, I, I could do the hands-on groundwork, but for bringing everybody, all the vendors together, um, she was an integral part in that. And there was another company called Idaho's Bounty that I had been involved with as far as I was a customer of theirs for years and years and years. They, um, I can't remember when they started, but right after I think I moved here in 2002, I got involved and started buying from them because they were doing the same thing. Um, but they were sourcing from a larger area. They were they 
they were uh, they had a board and there were a lot of people involved that funded this this company to start with and and they were just by accident right after we started they pulled out of the valley and they then just started selling to restaurants and a lot of the vendors that we have now were selling through Idaho's Bounty so we were a platform that they could come over to easily but they lost a lot of money to Idaho's Bounty. And so they were very, very skeptical. It took people a long time to get on board. But once we had some, and then they realized that, yeah, they pay us every month. You know, they're not behind on their bills. They they keep the farmers uh, paid. More and more vendors were trusting in that. And, you know, they talk amongst, amongst themselves. And so when, you know, Waterwheel says, hey, we've not had any problem with the craze. They're great that we sell so much product through them. Then somebody else will come on, feel good about coming on, you know. And there's a group that Amy is now, Amy left us and went to work for the local Food Alliance, which is a local, I think they're, yeah, they are a nonprofit and they, they support local food and they do it in a lot of other ways than what we do. We're the hands-on, but she works up there and she, she's such a good help. I mean, she just, she wants this to work for everybody involved. And so um, she'll send people our way. Uh, and, you know, we, something we have not done is we have not advertised. This has all been word of mouth and it's, it grew slowly and that's what I wanted because I didn't know how to do this. You know, we were learning as we were going. And so to me, it was the perfect, the perfect ride. And then the pandemic hit and it's like, oh, we really have to (laughs) figure out what we're doing here. How are we going to make this work? And, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have a game plan and that's something that's very interesting. Well, what was your, what was your um, business plan? It's like, we don't have one. We're just riding the wave and whatever comes at us, we deal with at the time. And then it was the pandemic and it's like, okay, we had, we had commercial tents brought in. We had refrigerated trailers brought in. I put a call out. We needed more refrigerator space. I had people donating refrigerators, you know, cause I, we, we have a very large walk-in cooler that was working very nicely for us. And then, but when you quadruple the amount of produce that comes in, in one week, you have to have a place to put that stuff. And, you know, it, it's March, it's cold outside. You can't, you know, it'll freeze. If it's left outside, you have to have a place for it. And we just didn't have the space. So it was a all out, what are we going to do week? And it was, everybody stepped up and everybody helped. And it's like, how are we going to make 300 deliveries? We were just making a hundred deliveries, Larry and I, and it's like, how are we going to do 300 deliveries in a week? How many miles is that then? Oh, it's a lot of miles, but we're very lucky because our valley is very narrow. So, you know, it's very much up and back to Ketchum and Sun Valley. We do go north of Ketchum a ways, but, and then there's all the canyons that everybody lives out of, you know, up and down the valley. And so it's very easy to do the the routes is what I call them. I, I do the routes per per driver now, but in the beginning, I just put a call out for volunteers. You know, everybody was stuck at home and had nothing to do. So I would do every 45 minutes, we would do a route and we would have a driver come in and pick it up. And these are just our people, um, are mostly our customers that needed something to do. And so they would come in and pick up a route and they would go around and they just had a ball doing it. And it worked, it worked. And I mean, I, I couldn't have done it without them. I, you know, there's no way to hire that many people that fast to get, drivers and cars and all of that arranged and they just brought in their own cars we loaded their cars up and they took it out and so now we have a full-time driver that we hired and and he does what Larry and I did mostly and I still have several gals that work for me um a few days a week and they each take a route when they leave here for the day and and so we're, we're just getting it done and yeah it works and it feels Larry keeps talking about what do you, how do you want to make it bigger? And it's like, I don't necessarily want to make it bigger. I just want to make it better. Um, and yeah, bigger will work. Um, you know, but we're, we're comfortable. We're, we're paying the bills and, and we, we love what we do. And do I want to manage 15 employees? I don't know that that's what I want to do, you know? And so, you know, as I said, it, it's a wave and we're riding it and it'll end up wherever it ends, ends up. I'm not sure where that's going to be, but we'll be happy doing it. And we love it. So I mean, to take growing food for you and Larry and to then start by giving it away or offering it to others. And now it's turned into a business. I mean, 
if you had to rewrite your mission, what would that look like? I mean, do you, I mean, or, or your vision for what you've done? Cause I, I know when, when, when Bill and I were there, you know, we were in Sun Valley and, you know, we went shopping and, and, and so of course Bill's like, so have you ever heard of Craze Market Garden? They go, yeah, we're customers. And we're like, well, we know them. We're related to them, you know? And just, I mean, the goodwill that you and Larry have developed for your name and, and the product that you are delivering was just amazing to me. And so did you ever imagine it, it was going to look this good? I did not. I had no idea. I mean, and I love it. It, it. it feels so good to me and it feels so good to do stuff for the vendors. It's so good. You know, if, if a customer is looking for something and we don't have it, it's like, I'll find a way, I'll find a way to get it. You know, I just feel like we're, and we did become the first quote food hub in Idaho through the USDA. And I feel that's, that's what we do, whether it's a vendor that needs something, if they have excess, something that needs to be sold, I can get it sold through a restaurant. You know, I feel like the conduit for a lot of different entities in the Valley. And it, and it feels like I said, I always go back to community and that's what it feels like to me is that our customers and our vendors, we're all just a small community. And I'd never felt like um, we had competition. You know, there are vendors or there are farms out there that didn't, want to go through us and that's fine. They can do whatever they want to do. Um, there's enough demand in the Valley for everybody to be able to do what we're doing. And, and I just never felt like it was a competition and funny enough, those vendors end up coming through us and selling their product. And it's like, no, just be patient. You know, I I'll throw it out there. You know, we had a new farm and I threw it out there when they first came to town and got started and, you know, they never contacted me and, and then I would run into them at the grocery store or somewhere in town. And, you know, if you want, we're still available if you want to sell our stuff. And then sure enough, here they come. And, you know, it just takes, it just takes trust. I think in we will do good by them. And that's what we do. You know, I, when I get contacted by some a vendor in particular that it's like, Oh, I, you know, like the lighted pet collars. I didn't, I didn't know if that was going to be a good fit, but I always tell them we'll give it a try and we'll reevaluate if it, if it doesn't work. Well, we have sold a lot of pet collars and, you know, so even though I wasn't quite sure about it, it's like, I'll always give something a try and it'll sell or it won't. And that's, you know, the customers determine that. And, and, you know, I've let some, some vendors go because it just wasn't, it wasn't working, you know, and we weren't selling enough of their product uh, to make it make sense for them to drive it here or us to pick it up. Because that's one of the things we do offer as well is we make a, we, on Monday, um, on Sunday night, we send out to our vendors everything that has, of theirs that is sold. And so they either bring it to us or we make a, a route on Tuesday. That's one of the routes that our driver does. He goes, it's a 280 mile route and he goes out to farms and businesses in Southern Idaho and then up to Ketchum and Haley. And he picks up product and brings it here. And we also have a lot of vendors that bring their stuff to us on Tuesdays as well. So it's a, it's a hustle and bustle place on Tuesdays. There's people in and out of here all day long, bringing their goods. Um, and then our driver bringing all of the stuff that he picks up along the way. So and you even open it up for school kids and stuff. Cause I mean, you talk about community. I mean, yeah, you've got everything going on, you, you know, cause traditional farms or just farms in general are going to the wayside. You know, there'll be massive corporate pieces of, of, or business. And so how do you incorporate learning and kids coming to your place too? Oh, it is so fun. It is so exhausting. I do not know how those teachers do it. <laughs> I truly don't. I spend an hour with these kids and it's like, I have to sleep. How can you do this? Um, but it's, you know, just kids on a farm. I mean, there's nothing better. Picking up a feather in the driveway is like magic to them. And so it's not that you have to teach while they're here. You just have to let them have the experience. I always, 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 they get to pull a carrot. And it, what is interesting is the adults that accompany these kids 90% of them have never pulled a carrot out of the ground themselves. Oh, wow. I never thought of that. I know. I didn't either. It's like, what? You haven't pulled a carrot? You know, I grew up, my father was a huge gardener. So 
I grew up around it. It was just like, this is normal. And to have, you know, I, there's a funny saying I do with the kids, you know, cause they can be hard to pull out of the ground. Sometimes it's like, you got to grab them by the top and you got to wiggle, wiggle, wiggle and pull them out. And it just the giggles. And I mean, it's just so worth it. And so then, then we get to wash the carrots and then we get to, they get to walk into the walk-in freezer, which is 20 below zero. And they just, you know, just laugh, just, you know, it's just so fun. And, and so I take them through all the greenhouses. They get to try the tomatoes. They get to try anything that they want. We have edible flowers that are kind of spicy. So they, they get to eat a flower for the first time. And, and, but the mostly it's the animals that they love, you know, they love feeding the goats and the horses. They take their carrots to the horses after we pull carrots and yeah, they feed the horses. And it's just, it's an experience that they wouldn't get to have at home because there are not many farms out there. And so we do have, we have quite a few, um, there's uh, preschool up there, all of their kids, all of their classes come down every year and sometimes twice a year, depending um, on that. And then uh, the public schools haven't gotten so much involved, but there are charter schools, there's the private schools, we off Larry and I both speak at every two years, they two years at two different schools, private schools, they do a food, um, a food chapter, local food, learning where local food comes from. And these are, you know, ninth and 10th graders. And so they'll come down and they do a work day for us. Um, once every two years, uh, one class will come down because they alternate every other year of their classes. So they come in down and do a work day for us. So, which is great. I always have projects to do. And then we go and talk to them about what we've done. Um, and they do their chapter or their presentation on local food. Uh, you know, there's a Annie's project that's a, for adults that I am a speaker at. Um, and I've done it once and then I have another one coming up this week. It's a Zoom class for women that want to be in agriculture. And so it it varies all of the different avenues. But the kids, the little kids are the funnest, I think. The the giggles, they get you, you know. Um it's kind of utter chaos, but we get through it and you know, it's it's fun. And they just they're so tired when they're done too, you know, but they can run if they have extra energy, we run them back to the compost pile and they can play on that, you know, they so it's it's a full day for them. And we did start a nature park. Um it's out front by the road. This summer, fall before pandemic hit. And so I haven't uh, elaborated on that this last year, but I will once things get back to normal and people can be out and about together with everybody else. Um, it's just that little, it's got a little nature trail and it's got some obstacles they can climb on. There's little wood blocks to do building blocks with nature, you know, just slices of trees that I, we did. And, and they've got um, nature, nature hunt, you scavenger hunt. So they have to find a leaf, they have to find a bird, they have to find a feather, you know, or find a tractor. So then they can check all of those things off. And so. What a great idea. You are using your land to the fullest. I mean, you are not wasting anything aspect of it. And the gift you're giving back is, is priceless. I mean, so I, I have to ask, what's your, what's your number one selling item? Or does it vary by season? Cray's item is kale. And when you were here, remember the kale grows and it just keeps on growing. So it is the number one producing crop on our property. The per item sales that is always the highest per item is avocados. Go figure. I would have never, but we sell like 150 avocados a week. And, and so that's the highest per item. Um, product, but for us, it's the kale um, that we sell, and then eggs. Over the board of all of our vendors, eggs would be the full. You know, we can easily do two hundred eggs, dozen eggs a week. Um, not from one particular vendor, but we have a lot of we have a lot of eggs that go through here. You know, there's one farm that last week they had fifty dozen for sale, and they sold them all. So you know, and then I have mine, and I have other people that have twenty five dozen here or there, and. And yeah, eggs are, eggs are very popular, um, but they're spread out over quite a few vendors. So. so what's the hardest part about doing this? The hardest part is it is all consuming. It is, it is my life. It really is. It's what I do. It's what we do. Um, and it is every day of the week. And, you know, Fridays are kind of my down day. I did hire after the pandemic, 
kit, I did hire somebody to do all of the inputting of what's available for the week um, because our vendors will have to have that to us on Friday um, by noon. And then we have to input all of that stuff into the computer. And if it's a product that's already something we had, we, it's not that difficult. We just change the quantity. Or if they don't have an item for this week, we have to just push a button to say hide it. But there's a lot of people that have new products, especially the chefs. You know, they have new products every week and long ingredient lists and all of those things. And that would take me a good, a full day. And I did hire a gal that does all of that work for me. And so Friday is kind of my day off <laughs> now, which is great. And, but it's catch up. You know, there's a lot of catch up work to be do, done and whatnot. But, but that's the hardest thing is I guess not being able to take a vacation um, and I'm not complaining. I love what I do, but it would be nice to go to Kauai for a couple of weeks, you know, like we used to do, um, but you can't travel with the pandemic anyway. So, Hey, it's okay. Because it's not like this work is awful. It's wonderful. It's not hard physically. Uh, it's just time consuming and it feels good though. It's good work. And that's, it doesn't feel like work when it's like that. You know, it's just, this is what we do. You have just created this like 360 degree ecosystem that you take, but you give. I mean, you're always refilling the land or people. So how do you refill it? So taking Friday off or hiring someone, is that kind of how you refill your cup? Yeah, but that, I would say no, actually. Um, that's hard for me to hire somebody. I like to do it all myself. I am a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> and, and so to let something go is hard, you know? It's like, well, she's not going to do it as good as I do it, you know? But yes, they do. You know, they really do. Um, so to refill my cup, it is just the thanks. The emails that I get every week from people thanking me, that's, you know, I read them to Larry and I cry, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I have one lady up in Ketchum. She said, you know, she was going through cancer stuff and to be able to get good quality organic food delivered to her door and she didn't have to worry about it. You know, that's just, it just makes it feel good. And th that's what fills our cup is all of the people that say thank you. And the vendors that say thank you, that we wouldn't have been able to do this um, had it not been for Craze. You know, that, that refills my cup. Larry and I have lots of crying times. There was one, and I think he might've told you this story when you were here, is that I got an email from one of our regular weekly customers and she said, I just walked into the room. I saw my, I heard my kids playing and I walked in and I asked them what they were doing. And she says, they had one of your craze bags because we have insulated bags that have our name on it. And she says, we're playing, they said, we're playing craze market and garden. And so her kids were playing craze market and garden at home. And that's just, I mean, Okay, I was sobbing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's too fun, you know? Right. Well, like I said, you have created this community, you know, and, you know, we live 2,000 miles away from each other, however many. And I sure as heck wish you were here in Indiana because you are truly a gift to the Valley. And um, I can't imagine what those 300 um, families would be doing without you. I, I mean, and not to mention the vendors. You said you have created this ecosystem. I'm surprised Harvard Business hasn't reached out to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, and it, it's going on in other places. I did, re, you know, when I was researching um, bags, insulated bags for our product, I did find a company in Oklahoma that was kind of doing the similar thing, but you know, everybody's doing it on their own and it doesn't really fit. I had a gentleman that tried to do it down in Twin Falls and it just didn't quite fit. I don't know if it's that they're spread out, you know, and the, the delivery system, you know, is a much larger area in a more populated area like that. But like I said before, we have such a narrow valley and it keeps it contained, you know, it's, it, it can't spread out further. We can go out to Gannett and Peekaboo and we do that. And, but it's only 10 miles. So it's not like it takes uh, 45 minutes to get to one, one delivery, you know, and Unless you in, get 55 inches of snow. Yes, exactly. And in the beginning we were driving clear out East Fork, clear to the end of East Fork for one customer. And it's like, it takes 20 minutes to get out there and 20 minutes to get back. And it's like, is this worth it? And it's like, yes, it is. This is how you build a business. And their neighbors will find out about us. And, you know, so now we have 30 deliveries out East Fork. And so it 
it just grew. Um, and neighbors talked to neighbors, um, friends talked to friends when, you know, when the pandemic hit and we got all these new customers on, it's like, why haven't we heard about you? And it's like, we don't advertise. We were, we were growing at a nice speed and, but we're thankful you're here. We're thankful that this happened because it, helped everybody it not just us it helped all of the vendors all of the customers and you so, think you'd ever advertise I mean you're you're kind of putting business schools on on notice that said you know you you do it right you treat people right and you will grow I, I mean yeah do you think you'll ever advertise I mean I don't so, you know, we even contemplated when we first got the, we got, when we first started, we were delivering in the car and then we moved to the truck because it could hold more bags. And then we were doing both the truck and the car and Amy, our employee was doing a delivery. And so then it's like, we can't do this. It, it doesn't fit. So we had to go get a delivery van and I would drag in my feet. You know, that's scary. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we contemplated putting our our logo on the van and we don't even have that you know and it's like that was scary it's like you know because we were just starting and to get the logo the way Larry wanted it done it was a wrap and it was five thousand dollars it's like that's what we got to pay our vendors this week we can't do that and so we just have gone and we haven't put our name on the van and we should I mean that would be great advertising and and it just you know it hasn't been a priority because the work is more important to me than the advertising and and I would have my, rather have my head down and get getting the work done and and doing the good good right things, you know. You're feeding a community. You're feeding your soul. Yeah, I, I just like said, you know, Bill and I have said you are doing amazing things. Both you and Larry are doing amazing things, and you are you are giving back to the land at the same time. I mean, yeah, you talk about sustainability and, you know, there's a, a sense of, you know, feeding yourself that allows you to help the environment to help with sustainability. So does that play into anything that that you're doing or was that kind of a, an, an after effect? It's just what happens. I mean, we do, we are not certified organic, but we grow with organic practices because it's, I mean, that's just what, is right. You know, we don't use chemicals. We use our horse manure and add it into our compost pile because everything that gets pulled out of the greenhouses that's green goes into the compost pile. That all turns into compost. It goes back on the garden beds when when we um, harvest a, a, a bed, then we put more compost on it and replant it. So it, it is a big circle here on the farm. And all the other farms are doing it that way too, you know, because we are, our customers want naturally grown products. They don't want chemicals. They don't want pesticides. And, and so it's very, it's very much about that. The produce that we offer from Charlie's is all organic and I don't offer conventional produce from them. And I am very passionate about that. I, I don't think our world, our, our farmlands can sustain themselves if, if we could keep doing that and, and not to mention the cancer and everything else that I see, you know, I have no facts, but I just see it. And it's, you know, it's just so obvious to me. So um, because of your greenhouse, because of, you know, we learned so much from you and Larry when we were there, my Christmas present is a greenhouse. Oh, good, 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 good. As soon as the, the ground thaws and whatever, we're going to, start looking at how we do that. So yeah, next thing you know, you're going to have to have online tips for people that want to want to do what, what you're doing for themselves. I'm not starting a business because, but um, you know, you really made me think about what we are eating. And there's something to be said about the joy of pulling that carrot out, taking that tomato or that zucchini, whatever it is in the pepper. There's just so much good in that. And you guys really inspired us to do oh, that. Good, good, good. Yeah, hopefully we can make it work. You will. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not yeah. that hard. Yeah. So um, we're, I'm excited. I'm super excited and, and I'm going to hold, hold Bill to it. And now we just need somebody to tell him the importance of composting next. So that's the next big one. We got rain barrels catching water and doing all that. And 
um, now it's time to do the compost because yeah, we got a lot of that. <laughs> and do you have uh, do you have compost waste that you compost now, or what do you do with your produce waste at home? We don't do any of that. Okay. Okay. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. You right. know, like I said, I just need somebody to, to tell Bill it's okay to ruin a section of the grass over yes, there. Yes. <laughs> and we get so many wild animals. That's the other piece. I mean, how do you deal with animals then? We, you know, we are very fortunate and everybody asks us that because we are on 17 acres. We have coyotes around us. We have elk and we have moose that pass by, but they don't hang out. The coyotes don't bother my chickens. They, they don't get into our compost pile. The best thing, you know, don't put any meat, cheese, or something like that. That's going to attract animals, but any produce waste can go in the compost pile. Um, but we don't have any problems with that. We do have skunks and raccoons that can be a problem with, um, chickens, but, um, not very often. And, you know, the more people, compost and garden for themselves. And one of the things I saw with the pandemic is how many people here locally start growing their own food um, because they were bored. I mean, no, no, no way around it. They were bored. They wanted something to do. And the amount of emails and questions I got because of that. And, you know, where do you get your seeds? Where do you get your compost? You know, that the more people that are doing that, the better. I mean, and especially if they have families, little kids, it is such a uh, important experience for them, I think. So, well, we've gotten so far removed from it, I think, as a society, and I think it's great that we are getting a little bit back to it. You know, I've said there are are, are a couple of good things about the pandemic. Um, not a lot, but there are a couple. You know, one, families are together more. Um, two, people are gardening, doing things that they necessarily wouldn't be doing unless they unless they had the time. So for me, and that's what's happened for me. I mean, we truly went into gardening 110%, you know, once it started and best thing ever. And now we are, we're, we're addicted to it. We, we want and miss that freshness and, and that satisfaction. So, yeah, yeah. I, that was one of the things when we first started was that people could not, understand why when they got a bag of spinach from us that it would last three weeks in their refrigerator and it's like because it was just picked two days ago it didn't spend a week on the road getting to the grocery store and then how many ever days it sits on the grocery store shelf you know when you have fresh food it tastes better it lasts longer and it's better for your body and and people don't they don't understand that but it is it's so it matter of fact it's so simple, you know, a bag of greens from any of our farms last two weeks in the fridge, you know, and you can't get that at the grocery store, you know. No, matter of fact, I'm, yeah, can't get that. Um, so I think in kale will be the next big thing we try. Yeah, kale and kale and spinach. Spinach is wonderful. Kale's a gift that keeps on giving. So little investment for a lot of rewards, so to speak. I did no idea what you know. Again. Um, I encourage people to go find a farm, go find a place like Craze Market Garden and and just experience it, learn from it. Yeah, it's great. And there's a lot of farms in a lot of areas that do CSA shares and that's called it's called CSA, but it stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And we have, I think we have three different farms that do that here in the Valley. And what it is, is you, you as a consumer, you pay up front for the year. And the, then the farm will bring you a box of produce every week or every other week. Some of them do have both options available to people. And, but with that service, you get what farmer has at at that week so for instance in the spring you'll get mixed greens and radishes and all the you know rhubarb that comes up first and the csa is a great program in a lot of ways it supports the local farmer and the consumer has to know that if the farm had they pay up front for the service but with that if the farm has a bad week and something devoured their their kale they're not committed to giving you kale um but you you as a consumer have to be able to uh learn how to cook with a rutabaga 
for instance, you know, because you might get one in your basket, you know, <laughs> and it is a good way to learn and adventure with your cooking uh, and to use products that you probably wouldn't have bought at the grocery store. Um, I didn't like that concept. A lot of people wanted us to have that option available, but it puts too much pressure on me to have a box full of $25 worth of produce for the customer yeah. every week. Um, that scares me to death. But for them to, for me to be able to say, hey, I've got 20 pounds of kale this week. I've got 50 orders of radishes. I just put it on the system and then they buy what they want. And with our system, the customer gets to choose what they want rather than getting a box with said vegetables in it. But they're available everywhere. Um, and it's an option for people out there to get the locally grown food. Um, you just have to be a little adventurous with your cooking uh, with a CSA because, you know, you never know from week to week what you're going to get in the basket. So it is an option and I think it's very important. Yeah, it's very important for the farmers as well. Wow. Well, thank you, Sherry. This has been a great conversation. Oh, thank you, Amy. Good to see you again. I know. It's so good to see you. Well, and the next time we're in um, Idaho, which will probably be late spring. Do you guys even get a spring? <laughs> we do. We do. Spring is my favorite, uh, my favorite season. It's when the, we plant our garlic in the fall. And so it's kind of like a tulip. It's the first thing that comes up out of the ground. And, and that's when, you know, it's spring is when the garlic starts shooting up through the, the soil. And how many cloves of garlic do you plant then? Oh, we did 1500 this year. And so we did 1,100 last year, and this year we did 1,500. And yeah, yeah, it's the best garlic in the world, I swear. Um, the the you know the bulbs are like that big now because every year you you keep the seed, um, you keep cloves from your the ones that you grew the previous year, and yeah, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and they are just so lovely. You know, you so can do you use sell them by the the clove mm -hmm. then? The, yeah, the, the whole bulb. Clove. Yeah. Yeah, the whole bulb we sell. And I still, I'm the only one that still has garlic left um, of the farmers. And, you know, garlic has an end time and yeah, it's getting close to the end time. But I also, one of the things we've done, we were taught um, is there's a product called black garlic. And what it is, is it's um, our garlic. You take a bulb of garlic and you put it in this little machine and it ferments the garlic. And so it comes out black and it's kind of, like pasty. It's kind of like roasted garlic, um, but it has a very distinctive flavor to it and it's very high in antioxidants. And so that's just one of the little side businesses. I mean, not businesses, but product that we do with our garlic is I will ferment a ton of black garlic and have a lot of black garlic that I have available. And so we sell that in addition to the regular garlic. I have so one of the black it is, it is. And it's, it's very pasty. People use it on toast or in pasta sauces or different dishes like that. I necessarily don't like the taste of it. It tastes very soy sauce like to me. Um, but some people say that it tastes sweet to them. And yeah, I have families that are just addicted to it. They buy it every week. And, and so then one of our other vendors has um, smoked garlic. So, but they ran out and they're a vendor that is slowly, um, going to be leaving the area and move full-time to Arizona. So I just bought a used smoker and I'm going to start smoking garlic as well, because that's a product people buy, um, buy up and it's wonderful. Uh, it just, it has that flavor to it. And so, so yeah, we're learning all the time, you know, so it's been fun and we are continue to learn. There's always something else. So. Yeah. I mean, wow. So it fascinates me at how you love to keep learning and you love to just keep doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, that's what keeps you interested in it. You know, I, you have to, um, and just for your, um, there's a gentleman that's in Maine, Elliot Coleman, and he does a market garden, um, book. And I think you and Bill would like, like reading his book. Um, He's got several books out, but just get the basic Market Gardener one. It's got the best information. And a lot of the newer books are just repeat, you know, information. Elliot Coleman, yeah. And you'll learn a lot. You know, you don't have to do his scale, but it'll tell you what you can and can't do in a little greenhouse in Indiana. Wow. Is there any other book you would recommend? Uh, there is 
a, I don't have the title of it. There's one that we refer to back tonight. It's Greenhouse Grower, I think is what it's called. And I can get you the exact information, but it has a table in it that we use all the time. And it tells you what you can plant during what month, indoors, outdoors, uh, heated greenhouse, uh, cool greenhouse. And it'll tell you, you know, peas you can harvest. You can, it tells you plant, grow, harvest. It tells you when you can plant it, when, when it, what months it grows, and then when you, it'll be ready to harvest. And so we religiously go to that or did um, when we were experiencing with a lot of different crops, we've kind of got it honed in. Now we know what we grow. You know, we aren't doing weird stuff. We, we stick with fennel and bok choy, kale, tomatoes, spinach, radishes, turnips, um, green onions. And, and we can pretty much grow all of that stuff year round. Um, beets is another one we do, but we don't. Uh, and of course the carrots. Um, and so we do all of those things year round. Um, there are things like peas we'll do in the spring, but we've also kind of gotten away from that because a lot of people grow peas. And so we just kind of stick with what what people love us and that's the carrots. We're quite famous for our carrots. And really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, people cannot even imagine when they pull the carrot and taste the carrot, what it actually tastes like compared to what the carrots at the grocery store tastes like. It's night and day. So how, how many pounds of carrots do you grow a year? Oh, that's a good question. So I, I get, I got to the point where I, I narrow it down. I only sell 10 pounds of carrots a week because carrots are time consuming for me because they have to look perfect when they go out my door. And so I only want to um, harvest and wash and prepare 10 pounds of carrots a week. But we grow a lot more than that because we have people that come down and get their own carrots and we have the kids that um, um, grow, you know, that pull carrots and whatnot. And usually at our fall festival, we'll have a, a carrot picking, you know, they can buy the carrots per pound. So they get to pull their carrots and bag them and, and take them home with them. So, you know, 10 pounds a week times 52 weeks, I would say it's probably double that. I'd say probably a thousand pounds of carrots a year, but yeah, they're good and they're easy to grow. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, I, you know, you've created a community, both physically and online, everything um, that I, I again, you're the reason why I needed you on this podcast. People need to know the importance of creating a sustainable world. And you have done that tenfold. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. Give Larry a big hug. I will do that. He's on the mountain this morning. So, okay. See you, Amy. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful for the opportunity to listen and learn from such great women. So if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did, please feel free to share Braveful podcast with your friends and colleagues, as well as please subscribe to Braveful on your favorite podcast apps. Have the best day ever. And until next time, be Braveful.